Hey everyone, Josh Loftus here with the Everyday Monday Podcast. Just wanted to give a little disclaimer before this episode in that um, normally I know I edit down the episodes to about 30-35 minutes or so to make it kind of a commute's length, but I had so much fun uh, with my guest on this episode that I'm kind of pulling an audible here and um, I'm going to upload pretty much the whole thing uh, just because there was so much gold that happened and so much fun that I had uh, with Ted in this interview. Um, I just, I didn't want to edit it out. Just want you guys to know, uh, maybe you can split it up between two commutes or something like that. So it's a longer episode, but I think you're really going to like it. So enjoy and uh, on to the show. Hey everyone, I'm Josh Loftus and this is the Everyday Monday podcast, a podcast where we talk about everyday people doing everyday things in everyday churches. Whether you're a pastor, a plumber, or think that 90s music took no talent, this podcast is for you. This is where we find value in the trenches of Christian life. Welcome to Everyday Monday. And in the trenches with me today, I have a very special guest. He's an author, he's a podcaster, and if I can coin a phrase, he's a 90s apologist. I have Mr. Ted Cluck in the studio with me today. Mr. Ted, how are you doing today, sir? Josh, I'm great, baby. It's great to be here with you, and, I, and I'm and i glad you said that about 90s uh, apologist. I'm a, I'm a fan of all things 90s. So. I know you are. I know you are. Yep, yep. So 90s will definitely be coming up in this podcast. We're going to give you a chance to riff on that. We're going to give it. you a chance to riff on it right now, because we okay. go before we get into stuff, man, I want you to explain to our listeners, because I waffle between... What is the greatest decade in terms of everything, music, yeah. style, and movies? And I'll be honest, I waffle between the 80s and the 90s. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. sometimes it's 80s all the way, man. The big hair, the leather, the loud guitars, the big drums, right? But then but then I grew up 90s, right? Yeah. And, and it's got that nostalgia for me. So convince me and our listeners why the 1990s are the best decade. Well, you're looking very 90s today for one thing. <laughs> oh, well, so, yeah. yeah. Uh, our our relationship that. here on the radio is a little unequal in that I can see you and you can't see me. But It's uh, true. It's true. I just see a, just just this canvas, very hip looking map with a bunch of lines. Yeah, that's the way I like it, yeah. actually. Yeah, that's, that, that's, that's fair. That's I fair. like I like for people to think of a hip looking map when they think yeah, of me. But, uh, right. but no, man, you're rocking a flannel looking very 90s there in Seattle, official city of the 90s. And, it is, uh, yeah, where where grunge was born. That's absolutely, right. man, absolutely. Yeah. I just think for for people of a certain age, and and maybe you fall into this category, like it's more than even like the 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 trackable things about the '90s. So music and movies and a lot of great stuff came out of that, right? So we had, right. Right. you know, we had Cameron Crowe, we had Wes Anderson on the movie side, we had Tarantino. So a lot of yes. great American directors kind of popped then, and then a, a lot of the music that I love, the the Nirvana, the Pearl Jam, and like all the bands <laughs> that kind of like. Um, launched them, I guess, or the the bands that were precursors to them are a lot of fun for me. But I, I think more than any of that, it's this this ethos of like a certain a certain uneasiness with fame. Um, mm. And I, and I think I liked that about the '90s. I liked the whole sort of attitude of we're going to do what we want, and if fame right. comes, then it's fine, or we're indifferent toward it, or whatever. And I, I guess I just like that, and I guess I sort of carried that kind of attitude into my publishing career and into right. just life in general, where I, I guess I say to myself, it's hard enough to write a book at all, right? It's hard enough to write a good story, yeah. um, much less try to engineer, you know, this, this sort of persona or whether or not my career is going to pop or whatever. And, right. and right. I, I think a, like a lot of those bands in the nineties, my attitude was just, I'm going to try to write a really good story. Yeah. If people like it, then they like it. Yeah, no, exactly. Well, I mean, the 90s, like if you were going to get famous in the 90s, you were actually famous, yeah. right? Like today it's super, I mean, I don't want to say it's easier to get famous, but with social media and everything like that, uh, you don't have to work as hard. At least I don't think Yeah. Um, you might, you might disagree, but, but I mean, bands like, yeah, you know, the, the Pearl Jams, the Nirvana, mm -hmm. if you're going to get into punk, you know, MXPX, all those guys, like it, they, it, it took work. Yeah, right? it they did. Actually and actually had to work for it. I think it actually took also like a, a a third party like vetting you and kind of propelling yeah, you to fame yeah. whereas whereas now you can kind of you can you engineer your own somebody. yeah you can engineer yeah. your own fame journey whereas i think back then a publisher or a 
you know, a record label or somebody had to really champion your work and, and yeah. put it out there. Whereas as today, I, I think there are a lot of people today just spending a lot of time on their own kind of fame projects. And yeah. uh, it's a little yeah. sad to me. Yeah. No, dude, I was, I was, where was I? I was, I might've been in the grocery store. I don't know. And Pearl Jam was playing oh. and I heard somebody in the aisle over to me uh, and I'm not, not even kidding. This, these are the words I heard. Yeah. Was, oh man. I love Nickelback. I love this song. Oh no, dude, man. That I made went, you die a little bit inside. I bet. I about know. went through the can aisle and reached <laughs> through and grabbed them by the collar and that would have been a great through. scene. I wish you'd done that. I wish I would have too. And then and then Ed proceeded to educate them. Right. Dude, some of the uh, some of the great heads of hair of all time came out of the nineties too. If you think oh, about yeah. Eddie Vetter, the late great Chris Cornell. I mean, unbelievable yes. hair. You know. Yeah. I mean, we, we always talk about the we always talk about the eighties when it comes to hair. Yeah. But the nineties had some. It had it had some interesting. Uh, it had some interesting dues going on for sure. Absolutely. All right, Ted. Well, we have uh, we have feigned and fawned over the over the '90s, which is uh, probably going to happen again here. But before so. we get going into just kind of talking about uh, talking about church and talking about where you go to church and what you love about your church and stuff like that, give us just a, uh, a bio about you, uh, who you are, yeah. what you do. Tell our listeners uh, what you want them to know about you. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So, uh, grew up in the middle of nowhere in Indiana. Grew up in a cornfield, a uh, little town called Hartford City, um, which just had like three stoplights and a bunch of video stores back in the eighties and nineties and yes. not a whole heck of a lot else, a lot of factories and, uh, Bring back the video stores, man. Bring back. Oh back dude. Back. Love on. the video stores, man. Right. Yeah. Riding the BMX bike to the video store in the yes. summer to rent like some 89 minute action movie. That was, yes. that was apex <laughs> mountain of my life. I think it's so been all good. downhill since then, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, grew up there, had no, no designs on writing, no designs on ever becoming a college professor, which I am now. Uh, I was a football player, man, and and mm-hmm. football and lifting. That was that was pretty much my life, and right. it, it was all I cared about. I was a huge fan of a, a, a certain Seattle Seahawk growing up in those days, Brian Bosworth. Yo, the Boz. The Boz. Yes, a huge oh, Boz man. guy, you, man. You just won my listeners over right there, baby. Oh, yeah. dude, I had the oh, poster. The I wore for a couple seasons. I wore number fifty-five. I used to cut my jersey like the Boz. I mean, yes. I was a I was a huge Boz guy. But did you have um, the Boz hair? I had the boss hair like for a little while in middle school, right, kind of back when right. every dirtbag kid in the Midwest yeah. had boss hair. <laughs> you know? So it wasn't that it wasn't I that unique. Dirtbag kid, I'm gonna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we were just a bunch yeah. of dirtbag kids, man. And if you were a dirtbag kid in the '80s and '90s, like, like you didn't you didn't think about writing. Uh, no, I, no, no. I, I did like to read though. My dad was a pilot, and he would. Um, he would bring me back like books from from the trips he went on. So he would hit used bookstores, bring me back books, and I yeah. uh, went to college, uh, had a had a football situation there that went bad. I, I broke my leg twice, had a pretty big mm. operation. And at that time, I met a, a little hottie, a little theater hottie um, who was like ran in totally different circles than me. She was a senior. Yeah. I was a sophomore. Um, and she was like, hey, you're you're kind of way too smart to just be a bench pressing meathead. you should <laughs> you should try something else and that's when i uh thanks, that's when I, right, yeah, yeah that's when i <laughs> tried uh that's when i tried writing and i've been i've been doing it ever since man for 23 years trying to impress her so uh we live in jackson tennessee we moved here five years ago after 15 years just spent freelancing so i was doing books mm. magazine work speaking writing uh that whole deal for 15 crazy topsy-turvy feast or famine kind of years Right. Uh, which nearly broke us. Uh, we have two boys, Tristan and Maxim. They're they're both adopted from Ukraine. Cool. Um, they're both awesome. Just fun guys, man. Tristan's 17 now. Maxim's 13. Wow. We watch all the same movies now. We listen to the same music. It's a blast, dude. It's like I got it's like I just acquired two friends, you know, and right. two like really good friends. Right. Uh, which is a blast. And uh, so, yeah, we've been been here in Jackson. I'm a journalism professor at Union University. Um, I got that opportunity a few years ago and, and I just saw it as a way to provide a little bit more stability for the fam. Okay. Uh, it was a big move, kind of uprooting from the Midwest and, and moving down here. Uh, but we've moved before. We've lived in some crazy places. We lived in Lithuania for a year after college, oh, wow. uh, lived in France for a little while. I was playing and coaching uh, American football over in France um, and lived in Ukraine for the, the two kind of stints that we were adopting the boys. So yeah, uh, we've we've never minded travel and adventure. And, you know, we just saw this as as another one, you know, and Lord willing, man, I, I, I do love it down here. Lord yeah. willing, we stay here for the rest of our lives. Wow. So you guys have done a lot of travel. Would you would you consider yourself cultured, Ted? Man, you know, like I, I think 
What even is that? All right. <laughs> For again, like back to eighties, nineties dirtbag yes, Indiana yeah. kid. Like, dude, to me, going to Indianapolis was like being cultured. You know, going going to that's right. Taking a trip to Chicago, you know, driving in the car for four hours and ending up at some like uh, pizza yeah. place in Chicago that felt like high culture. So I don't know, yeah. man. I I think for me, I'm much more at home with dirt bags than I am with like quote unquote culture people. Like I still oh, yeah. feel really uncomfortable with academics. I feel like academia is this, it's this constant moving target of like trying to prove how woke you are, but also like <laughs> I, I teach at a Baptist school. So like the Baptistness is at odds with the wokeness. So I'm like, I don't even know what I'm it's doing like, around I, here. I, I, this is too which, much. Which, I want to take a nap. I do? It hurts you know? so yeah, bad. It hurts so yeah. bad. I just gotta, I gotta get out of here. So uh, uh, yeah, well, I, I, don't, well, <laughs> I don't feel at home with academics. So probably hard well, no on the culture. That's fair. That's fair. Well, to me, going down to Pike's Place Market and watching people throw fish is cultured. So, dude, now that's that sounds that's awesome, man. I could, I could it, do that it, all day long. It, it's actually a sight. Yeah, it's actually a sight. Sometimes it's funny when they get the uh, Seattle Seahawks down there. Uh, they they put their wide receivers down there and try to catch the fish. Dude, that's uh, dope. and and it it doesn't go well. Like the, the, they'll even put their gloves on. Oh, and they're I just ruining it. their gloves. But yeah, it's disgusting. dude. Yeah, those those kind of rubber tacky gloves. They don't work on the fish. I'm guessing. <laughs> no, no, not great. Not great for catching fish. Dude, now a couple of quick yeah. Seattle things. Uh, yes. In addition to the boss, huge Steve Largent fan. Yeah. Oh, the big Largent guy back in the day. The reach and, over, grab, pass. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, man. So and good. also, I, I don't know if you know this, but I'm a Seattle Mariners fan. Dude, day. so I am a huge fan of the Happy Rant. I'm a devoted yeah. listener, so I do know that. And when nice. you were deciding between the Mariners and who was the other team, was it? Man, was it the Mar- I don't remember even who made the cut. Maybe the Rays or the Tigers. It might have been the Tigers. That sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. I was very, very happy when you picked our Mariners. One, because I knew you were picking them not as a bandwagon fan. Yeah. Because there are no bandwagon fans with the Mariners. Because exactly. we've, we've been we've been pretty bad for pretty much forever. Dude, I gotta um, tell you, I got yeah. I got League Pass this year and I thoroughly really? enjoyed it. Yeah. I watched like All right. and and so as a again, as an academic, like you're off in the summer, and, and this was really the first summer I didn't have some huge writing project. So yeah. Uh, part of the rhythm of my day was like I would watch a few innings of the Mariner game from the night before. I'd watch a few innings live. Thoroughly enjoyed it, dude. I love their like nice. local TV guys. I really yes. enjoy yeah. <laughs> Jerry Depoto's podcast. I'm a devoted listener to. So uh, it's been go. a blast. Like even the even the rebuild year, just like seeing all the moves happen and the young guys come into the system. Yeah. I'm, I'm stoked. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, being a Mariners fan, you know, every year is somewhat of a rebuild year. Totally right. So it's just, but but that's okay. That's just that that's just baseball. Okay, so you are a professor at a union. You said college, Union University, Union University. Okay, so yeah. not to be confused with Union Union Seminary. For <laughs> no, we're not. That, we're not that, confessing that on Twitter. the plan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that 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 caused quite the firestorm. That was a lot of fun last week. That was last week, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So being a professor there, Ted, give us just kind of just kind of on both ends of the spectrum. It sounds like you really like working with people, but you're not so much into the academic. um, What do you say? (laughs) uh, Ethos of the whole thing. Right. right? So give us give us the the best and worst parts of that job for you. Just kind of give us a little insight into that. That's a great question. Best parts for sure are. Just working with kids who want to write, man, mentoring right. writers, giving them books to read, talking about the books, talking about what makes a great story, seeing them grow, like seeing them take chances on the page. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just absolutely love it. Growing a program, you know, so like getting this journalism program when it was kind of on the death rattle and then sort of like uh, watching it grow, watching more majors come to the program, seeing the kids have a lot of joy and just have a lot of fun writing and creating and and making product. I mean, it's the reason I became a writer. I just wanted to make product. You know, I wanted to make sure. magazine articles and I wanted to make books and watching them do that and do it joyfully and watching them get recognized for their work. Man, it's so fun. And and they they really it sounds cliche, but they become lifelong friends. You know, there the, there are people from that program that uh, I'm, I'm going to be in their weddings and, um, you know, keep in touch with them forever. So it's it's really joyful. I would say the you know, the worst part I, I kind of alluded to alluded to it before is just the the, the kind of the, the politics of academia in the sense that um, I, I don't know who said this great quote. I always forget who it was, but um, people get so heavily invested because the stakes are so low. Like, right. I, I think when you right. live in this little like bubble and this little fiefdom for so long, you begin to sweat things that you wouldn't really sweat in real life. And it's kind of ridiculous. But 
Um, yeah. at the end of the day, man, everybody's, everybody's kind of pulling in the same direction. And, uh, right. I really do love it. And as far as Christian colleges to work for, I'll say this about union. Um, so we're in this environment in 2019 where a lot of Christian colleges are sort of going the way of cultural appeasement and they're on the slide of, of, of wokeness, right? They're, they're sure, trying to hit sure. this moving target. And, you know, I think union for better or for worse, like they, they, they really know who they are theologically. And I think there's some, some groundedness that kind of comes from being lashed to the SBC. And um, we've got a a really good president. We've got good leadership. So, you know, as a parent looking at Christian colleges, I would, I would be comfortable sending my kid to union. And I don't just say that because I'm trying to keep my job. I'm I'm really impressed with it. (laughs) No, that's great, man. Yeah. No, no, no. Well, and that's, that's such a blessing too, to love the place you work. Right. And I'm like that, 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 that keeps burnout from, from happening. Right. So, so kind of offshoot question, because I I don't know if I've ever actually had a professor on the show yet. So I think you're the first one. So I want to ask you this part of being a professor, right. Is both making and breaking dreams. Right. Like, 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 so you, you're the guy that's kind of, that's kind of, at least, at least I'm assuming it's kind of like football practice or it's kind of like you, you got to break them down in order to build them back up. Right. (laughs) So, (laughs) so how many kids, like, I want you to walk us through how you do that when you have the kids that I'm sure come in with kind of the quintessential, like, I'm going to be a writer. I'm going to be like, I want to be like the quintessential, like Johnny Depp in Secret Window. I got my oh, glasses. Totally. I got my cardigan. Oh, I, dude, I love that know, reference. Right? He like, was like, so dope in that movie. Yeah. He was, yeah, yeah. It was a creepy movie, but yeah, but, yeah. But, but like, but but here's the thing. I watched that movie. Yeah. And I was like, oh man, I wonder if I could be a writer. Yeah. And it had absolutely nothing to do with writing. It's just yeah. he made writing look so cool. Oh, absolutely. Right? And, and so and suave. Right? Dude, and, and hear this. I love movies like that. I love movies that yeah. make my field look sexy. You know what I'm saying? So like <laughs> any kind of any kind of writing movie, like almost famous. I'm in on that. I'm in on all these yes. writing movies. But like it and yeah. it's funny, I was having this conversation with somebody about academia. And uh, we were talking about the Indiana Jones franchise and how academics have never looked hotter. Than, yeah, than, that's right. You know, they always gave Harrison Being an Ford, archaeologist like, never looked hotter. Yeah, he, he always got like a minute and a half in the classroom, right? So oh, yeah, they, yeah, they yeah. would yeah. show him like the last minute and a half of class and like all these, you know, girls and guys are like swooning all over him. But, but <laughs> right. yeah, it's funny, man, in the sense that you, you can't really kill anybody's dreams in 2019. No, and, no, no, you know, you because can't. because they're and, and I say this with zero percent because like, how dare you? Right? Yeah, <laughs> I say this with zero percent derision. They're just really delicate. And yeah, I true. think it's a function sure. of my generation screwing them up as parents in that, like these kids, by and large, have never been allowed to fail. And mm. a lot of them come out of the homeschool movement, which, you know, tip of the cap to that. No, no shade to the homeschool movement. But they've yeah. they've never really competed. They've never sure. really failed. They've never. Sure had that experience that a lot of us had in sports. The thing I love so much about yeah. football is that the the lines literally and figuratively are so clear. And like you you don't yeah. leave a football game or practice wondering where you stand. Like it's right. it's very definitive. You know where you stand. So it's right. it's tough in 2019 to quote unquote kill anybody's dreams. I mean I I I think for me um they know when they see their work in relationship to other people's work. And I think at that point it becomes if if they're on the lower end of the roster, you know, it becomes more of a conversation of, okay, what can you do? And right. there are there right. are ways to make a living as a writer, even if you're not sort of the dazzling feature writer or the dazzling personal essayist or, you right. know, whatever is Apex Mountain for you. There there are other ways to make a living with your words if you're yeah. if you're the right kind of person, if you're dedicated, if you can take criticism, you know, there's there is work for you. So it's just kind of um, I think more of like being a Sherpa, you know, like you're, you're, sure. you're sure. guiding them up the mountain of their dream. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And trying to like make sure they don't are, die in the process. You know? you are, yeah. You are the essay sensei. That's yeah, right. Man. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 I'm the Mr. Miyagi. Of, the Mr. Of Mi- I was just going to drop that. Yeah. I'm the Mr. Miyagi of, of you, of union. Actually, I want to, I want to uh, be the Mick from the Rocky movies of the whole thing. You know? Oh, okay. Minus the dying and the hearing aid. Yeah. But, minus you know? the hearing aid and dying halfway <laughs> exactly. through the franchise. Yeah. 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 I want to scream women weaken legs occasionally you know if i could just do that no mine would just be run for your life kid yeah run for your life kid iraqi's like he's too strong i can't keep him off me yeah he's too strong i don't know what to do Mm. oh it's so good love it um all right (laughs) ted so so give us um 
give us give our listeners a little bit on how you came to Christ and kind of what what that whole uh, what that whole just kind of situation and journey looked like for you specifically. Yeah, totally. My parents were young believers when they had me. And also it was the 80s, which was the decade of like just hot garbage Sweet. theology kind of ruling ruling the day. That was another bad thing about the 80s yes. versus the 90s, because I feel like in the 90s, we started to get like a little crackle of good theology here and there. Yeah. But um yeah. the 80s was we did get some sweet christian t-shirts out of the deal dude that's that's true right? a lot of sweet christian t-shirts in the yes, 80s but exactly. uh yeah so my folks i think they were new believers they were doing their best um i i would say that i was raised in a christian home but to my shame i'm i had no affection for christ in my heart you know uh it was very rote it was very i'm going to church because my parents go to church and because I don't hate it and because I want to please them, I was a people pleaser. You know, I was the, I was the consummate, like, sure, sure, make everybody happy guy. I was an only child, you know, so a lot of that factored into it. So yeah. as a result, I managed to, like, you know, worm my way into young adulthood and married life, um, kind of having the, the the seed planted. And 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 maybe I was a believer then, but I'm not sure. I had no real affection for Christ. And as a result, man, like... Uh, just send a lot, you know, I, I send a lot. And as a, as a younger adult, um, had a, had a real moment of conviction where I was laid low by the Holy spirit. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, it was the hound of heaven. Um, you know, it was scripture kind of, uh, finally getting through to me and breaking me, uh, convicting me. It was incredibly guilty. Um, so had a big repentance confession of sin moment to my wife, to people in my church, um, people that I'd hurt. Um, and I'm, it, it's a, it's an interesting thing, Josh, as a believer to be both. I'm wrecked about that. When I think about it, I'm incredibly sad that I sinned in that way. But at the, at the very same time, I feel completely pardoned from it. And I feel completely joyful about the pardon that I have in Christ. And, from that point forward, um, you know, life hasn't been perfect. I haven't been a perfect person, but I, I've always had affection for Christ in my heart. And I've always had a hunger and thirst for Christian community, teaching, church, um, fellowship with other believers. Um, and man, I'm so grateful, you know, just so, so thankful that the Lord pursued me, brought me from death to life, you know, saved me out of my sins. And um, I, I, I think often, why me? you know right like right, why did why right. did he do that for me for dirtbag me but i'm i'm so glad he did yeah no no that's awesome man and that's this is honestly kind of just one of my favorite uh sections if you will of the podcast is i just i get to hear the different stories and it's it never gets old hearing how how the gospel will transform a life uh yeah. and how it does it in so many different ways and different yeah. aspects right it's not just a cookie cutter right uh a cookie cutter thing right yeah. so it's yeah. it's 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 always so cool to hear uh how how that happens so um moving into where you go to church uh yeah. if you can i want you to i want you to throw some love on your church uh totally. a little bit give us uh where you go to church and then give us a couple things one one or two things that you really really appreciate about uh about about yeah. where you and your family go man i go to this amazing church here in jackson tennessee called cornerstone community church and uh it's the 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 interesting thing about it and the thing that we had to kind of like the hump that we had to get over when we moved down here and it was the only church we visited, and I'll, I'll tell you why in a minute. Um, it's Southern Baptist. And for me, I think moving from the north, I had real, like, honestly, pretty negative, like, Southern Baptist connotations. Um, you know, I didn't know what sure, I was getting sure, into. Yeah. I thought it would be a bunch of, like, you know, old guys in leisure suits with comb overs, yes. like, shouting at me. And I, I don't like, I don't like scream lots up. Lots of doilies. Yeah, lots, lots of doilies. Of doilies. Yeah. Lots, of, lots of, like, bad food at the potlucks, you know, yeah. the whole deal. Oh, but, yeah. A lot of bean um, salad, yeah. I'm happy to report our church is the opposite of that. Um, yeah. We've got an incredibly gifted pastor. And it, the reason we visited this church first and we didn't go anywhere, anywhere else, and this is just the Lord, man. So this is totally the Lord working. But years and years ago, probably a decade or more now ago, after KDY, Kevin DeYoung and I wrote those books about the church. That's um, right. We got invited here. We got invited to Jackson um, to speak at like an evening venue at the university where I now teach, weirdly enough. And uh, as a result wow. of that, 
stayed in touch with this guy um, who works at Union and who goes to the church that I now go to. And when the pastor of our church was adopting from Russia, this guy reached out to me. He said, hey, I know you've written about adoption. I know you've adopted from Ukraine. Can you just drop our pastor a note and like encourage him? So before I even knew that I would be moving down here, like years before any of this happened, I'd corresponded via email with uh, my current pastor. I uh, thought he was a great dude. Uh, and then when I, when I came down here to interview for the job, ended up uh, swinging by his office to meet him. And I, I knew it was where we would go to church. Uh, he loves the Lord, loves the word, funny guy, great teacher, humble, deeply, deeply humble guy, and really believes, I think, yeah. in the in the priesthood of believers. So I'm, I'm reading Acts now and I'm, I'm struck by the fact that like the Acts church was very non one guy centric. In fact, if you think about the book of Acts, like you, you can't really say who the pastor is. And, um, you know, in our church we have, you know, this plurality of pastors and, um, you know, Lee, my, my main guy does most of the teaching and I love it when he teaches, but I love it when the other guys teach too, um, because their hearts are all in the same place. And, I think another thing I love, you know, very, very deeply about our church, it's a very humble group of people. And I can honestly say that hasn't been always the case at reformed leaning churches, you know, reformed them tends to, it tends to pump out like some, some real arrogant douches at times. So like I was, what makes you say that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, 80% of reform. Literally every. Yeah, 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 exactly. But, um, but no, man, I was just so pleasantly surprised to meet these dudes and, yeah. and women at my church who they work hard. They love their families. They're not making like, you know, e- extra bu- biblical issues the main thing. They're not making right. these lifestyle right. choices into the main thing. They're just yeah. fun people who love Christ, man. And boy, it's right. it's sweet and refreshing and joyful to be in community with people like that. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Well, and that 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 does my heart good to hear that there yeah. are men and women and churches out there that are of the as 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 you said of the of the reformed persuasion, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, that that can be characterized yeah. as humble. Yeah, because know, you're right. Man. You know, sadly, that's not something that is often uh, those 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 two words, reformed and humility, are not often <laughs> associated with each other. Exactly. Unless it's reformed people need humility. Yeah, um, yeah, um, and yeah, and and I don't know about you, but it's always one just just meeting a humble Christian is so yeah. exciting and so awesome for me. But then when I find out that they actually are ref- that 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 they would consider themselves reformed as well, it's like yeah. holy smoked, you're a white whale. What in the world? Dude, Let's but, talk. But by know? definition, like, shouldn't and I, I want to hear your take on this. Like by yeah. definition, shouldn't we be the humblest people in the sense that like okay, There's so n- if I if I truly believe in sovereignty and if I truly believe that like the Holy Spirit does the work and if I truly have an understanding of the depths of my depravity and the dirtbaggery that the Lord just grabbed me by the neck and yanked me out of, shouldn't yeah. I be the humblest person, you know? And woe is me if, if, if I get any kind of like arrogant swagger to me at all about these things, you know what I'm saying? That is, I couldn't, I couldn't say it. I couldn't say it better. Like, th- yeah, the greatest oxymoron is a arrogant Calvinist. Yeah. It <laughs> right. Be. Like it yeah, should be, it should, it should be. be sadly. It's not, exactly. Um, but, exactly. Uh, but yeah, no, I completely agree. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you understand what the Lord pulled you from, like, yeah. what are you looking at in with pride? Right. Yeah. Like, like yeah. What, what are you Good. looking back and say, Oh man, Amen. That right there. That's 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 the good stuff, right? Amen. Um, Amen. So, all right. So, going to church there in uh-huh. Tennessee. Uh, in what ways are you and perhaps your wife uh, involved and just kind of kind of serving there in yeah. in uh, the local church? Man, so yeah, we. It, it, it's funny, Josh. Like in years past, and in and in churches past, we've been more like on paper involved. Um, in the sense that like in the past we were leading stuff and, and, uh, here we've just sort of like been able to taste, taste it and enjoy it. Um, you know, yeah. we, we do, we go to a small group, I think, uh, here pretty soon we'll be transitioning into leadership of that small group, which is great. Wow, um, sweet. you know, otherwise we're, <laughs> it, it's shameful, but we're not super involved there in the church. But, but again, like hearkening, no, hearkening yeah. back kind of to the ax model. So the Lord's given me 
some unique opportunities here in town. So I also help coach football at an HBCU, a historically black college here in town called Lane. So and, cool. Um, yeah, it's so cool, dude. And it's like, for me, that's like refreshing. It's like vacation for me every, every Wait, week. So like, are you like the token white guy there? I am. Yeah. That's, I'm the, I'm the is, token, that's legit. I'm the diversity guy there. Like I'm that the, I'm the so token good. white guy. And, Ted, and tell us, tell us what it's like to be a minority. <laughs> dude, it's incredible. It's so much fun. Like these guys are so fun. They're incredibly kind. They've been like, very open arms with me and yeah, uh I, awesome. you know i've gotten to do some like bible studies for the players there at lane yeah. I, I just feel yeah. like the lord is is asking me to serve in different ways and and also being a professor in in 2019 it's yeah it's kind of half teaching and half like armchair psychology so there's a lot sure. of there's a lot of kind of mentoring and and stuff that goes on with my students what's so. uh what what position do you teach for for football? You know, with Lane, it's real fun, man. So back in the day, I was a I played linebacker, fullback, and uh, I was a long snapper, which is the worst job in all of sports. In that, like nobody <laughs> notices you unless snapper. you screw up. Yeah. Oh yes, then everyone sees you. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so I work with the long snappers at Lane, and that's okay. partly all a right. function of um, it, kind of in that community. There aren't a lot of guys who want to be long snappers, so you know, oftentimes they're not scholarshiping guys that do that. And, um, sure. sure. So yeah. So I'm just coming in and working with these guys a couple days a week. I'm there on game days and, um, That's awesome. yeah, my wife is really involved too in, in community stuff now. And I, I do have to say though, being that it's a reformed church, mm. um, it's long dude. <laughs> church is upwards of two hours, which for me, I think I have adult ADHD. Oh, yeah. I think I really do like legit have that. Like sure, I'm like a sure. child. I have to give myself a break. I give myself an intermission. Um, That's right. Ideally That's right. I would bring like a cliff bar and a Gatorade just to get through it because I get <laughs> the intermission happens somewhere between okay. And in closing <laughs> and then, and then, and then the last 40 minutes, right? Yeah. yeah we'll do it. And because it's reform guys, you know, we have like 14 prayers dur during the yes. liturgy of this. Oh, yeah. And each guy prays through like the entire like narrative of the Bible, it seems like. And yeah. uh, it's just a lot, man. It's so much. But, <laughs> you know, I feel like part of what I bring to the church is just being the guy in the lobby taking his intermission. That, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like other other guys can come out and banter with me about halfway through. That's you right. Know? That's right. That's oh, one way in which third. I serve. That's a tangible way. <laughs> it, it's very tangible. Yeah. I would be back there like, oh. All I right. think another way All that right, I serve is like yeah. I've I've gotten the worship guy. So the worship guy is one of my best friends at the church, okay. and I've I've uh, I've been able to like encourage him to pick up the tempo of some of his songs because they <laughs> they were like very dirgy, very shoegazy before. Yes, you know? yeah. and, um, we're we're getting a little bit less dirgy, so I feel like I've, I've brought go. that to the table as well. There you go. You have shorn like 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 two and twenty two minutes and twenty six seconds off of the service. You're well, doing. Dude, your believe part, you me, I'll take right? that. That's that's <laughs> yeah, progress. I'm playing right. the. I'm playing the long game here. If I could get him to cut one song out of the liturgy, I would. I would do it. There. Yes, I would feel yes. So thrilled, one but. song or one ch Bible Bible chapter out of the prayer. Right? <laughs> exactly. <Yeah>. Exactly. Long <laughs> game. Oh, that's yes. Yes. Yeah. It's it's all about the long game, baby. It really yeah, is. Yeah. Sure. It's all about that long game. Well, uh, Ted, talking about churches, man. Like uh, growing up, uh, Christian, being in churches now. Especially, oh boy, and even you know being a being a, a professor at a Christian seminary, man. I'm sure yeah. you got those stories, dude. Right. You've got you've got those moments that yeah. you think back on. And in the moment, you're like, what the heck is going on right yeah, now? Yeah, totally. And totally. Uh, and uh, I want you to share with us one of those moments that when you think of kind of the quintessential, like, yeah, this is yeah. this is life right now. This is actually happening. Yeah. Uh, well, dude, I'll give you I'll give you a great one, actually, yeah, from yeah. down here. So, um, you know, God's grace, he's allowed us to be in in you know, pretty good, pretty healthy, again, reform leaning churches for probably the yeah. last 10 years, you know, the last few years of our time up North, we were in a really great one. And then, yeah. um, and then down here. So we've been blessed by just like good teaching, kind of the same kind of teaching, the same kind of ethos. Um, so a few years ago, when I kind of, when I first got to town, I spoke in a couple of chapels at union and they were pretty well received. So I got a, I got an email from a guy who wanted me to come uh, speak at a youth rally at this other town like Dyersburg, which is 45 minutes up the road. And, and I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. You know, and I'm like, youth rally. That's a that's a that's strange kind of vernacular for those of us in the reformed world. But right. I'm like, what do you I was like, what not do as you... bad as revival. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it gave me a little bit of pause there. But I was like, what do you want me to do? 
And um, he's like, well, I want you to speak for about 20 or 30 minutes and then do the altar call. And I'm like, I don't know really what an altar call is, but I think I know kind (laughs) of what it is. And, and he's like, are you comfortable doing the altar call? And I'm like, sure. I'm like, you know what? You're paying me. I want to do the whole job. You know, I'm not going to do like half a job, you know, for, for, for a payday. So in my mind, Josh, like, you're the asking altar- a reform guy to do an altar call. I'm exactly. So this story. Mind, yeah. The altar call was just, I wrap up my talk and then I say, hey, there's going to be some people up here who would love to pray with you after. And then I pray <laughs> and then we're done, right? Having no yeah. idea that, that that an altar call is its own thing. So I, I oh, give my head talk. down, eyes shut. Dude, yeah. So I give yeah. my talk and like the nonverbals, the response during the talk is really good. Like, I'm, And I'm like, right. oh man, this is going great. You know, so right. then- right. I do my typical reform guy thing and I'm like, let's, let's pray to end this thing. So I pray. And then I'm like, Hey, there's some people up here who would love to talk to you. And then I go to my seat and I sit down and I get like a, the dirtiest of dirty looks from like the lady that booked me to do the talk. She's like, what the heck are you doing? Basically. I'm like, huh, she seems really dissatisfied. So yeah. then she goes up. I thought I, I, thought I was okay. I thought I, yeah. I thought I crushed this, you know. So then she gets up to the mic and she starts doing the whole kind of used car salesman patter oh. of like the altar call. And I was like, oh, this is oh, what that's, it is. That's what you they know? wanted me to do. Yeah. So like everybody's got their eyes closed and they're asking for like people to walk down and they're doing the right. whole kind of patter, the, the, the whole thing of it. And I'm like, oh, shoot, I really stepped in it, you know. You pulled a Matt Chandler at that. I at pulled that a Matty Chan. You, you did. You pulled a Matty Chan. Just, yeah, you are yeah. not David. We do not do altar calls. Let's you, all you, sit down and go home. You take away all the money and all the fame and all the yeah, stake oh, right. companies. All and the I'm basically, I was just going to say the stakes, man. Yeah, oh, I'm basically Matty Chan. You yeah, know? You're basically Matty Chan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> take away that frat guy ethos <laughs> just, that he has. I'm basically oh, Matty Chan. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. You, need, you need the stupid sweater that he wears with the tie sticking out, right? Yeah, yeah. Take away all that. I'm him. Take it away. You're basically. Yeah. Uh, all right, Ted. Well, we are um, we are almost done with the podcast, man, but not quite yet. Uh, we're going to hit some Monday hot takes. Yeah. And this is when I ask you a bunch of random questions and you give me the <laughs> first thing that pops into your head. You love ready it, for these? Man. Love it. Yeah. Lay it on me. All right. Let's do it. All right. So we're going to uh, we're going to start these just kind of with the 90s vibe right here. So okay. I want your top 90s, uh, either songs or yeah. musical artists. Yeah, okay. Uh, give me top, let's do top three, go. Yeah, so there's a song I want played at my funeral by Pearl oh, okay. Jam. Uh, it's called Release. It, it, it's a funny thing that happened in the 90s. I feel like every guy of a certain age just had Pearl, Pearl Jam 10 just appeared in your life. Like yes. you don't remember buying right. it. You don't remember it being in your car, but like once you hit a certain age in the nineties, like it it's in like your car, it like, it's in your house, you know? It was like that U2 album that they gave for free. Remember <laughs> yeah. that? And like everyone, it showed up in everyone's iTunes and nobody could delete it. Dude, and that it, sucks, man. And, and, and everybody. <laughs> dude, you would plug in your car, your, your, your phone and your car and that crappy U2 song. starts playing Bono. And oh, I'm just like, I, dude. I don't even like the album. I don't like, yeah, everybody hated the album. Yet it was like omnipresent. <laughs> Uh, but no, man, released by Pearl Jam. That's my. That's a song I want played at my funeral. So that's that's on there. Um, so we're going Mount Rushmore of like of like all '90s stuff. I gotta tell you, yes. and yes. this is maybe not like gonna be appreciated by all your audience, but sure. a life changing record for me in the '90s. And it was kind of when I went to college to play football and I discovered black people, for lack of a better term, um, <laughs> coming out these, of Michigan. <laughs> yeah, coming out of uh, coming out of Cornfield, Indiana, man. But that's, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. But these guys on my team, these teammates, introduced me to Dr. Dre's The Chronic. Which I feel like is one of the great hip hop albums of all time. Very listenable from front to back. So that that that's on my '90s Mount Rushmore of records. Um, right. What else is on there? Probably Soundgarden. You know, some Chris Cornell. Um, you, you know, I, I've, I actually really loved Cornell's uh, like his acoustic covers that he did, kind of right yeah. before the end. Um, yeah. I've loved those, but I, I lumped those into the '90s. All right, I love it, love it. Yeah. All right, Ted most quintessential or favorite either one don't care 90s movie Ooh, dude um i know i know it's hard i gotta go with you've got mail tom hanks meg ryan you, um oh, right. it, that's my that's my all-time favorite uh rom-com um right. a, a close second though a movie that really embodies the 90s the 90s vibe is uh reality bites do you remember this ensemble movie 
Reality. That sounds super familiar. You I'm just got Ethan Hawke, Mr. 90s, Ethan Hawke, Ethan Vince Hawk. Miller. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Ginny yeah, Garofalo, yeah. kind of pre, you know, tra- transition Ginny and Garofalo. Um, yes. Dude, another, here's another great 90s movie. Quintessentially 90s, quintessentially Seattle. Singles. Yeah. Do you remember singles? Singles. So I remember I remember hearing a lot about singles and yeah. I actually haven't seen it. Baby, you gotta watch that. One of my Can favorite all-time singles? directors, Cameron Crowe. Kind of his homage to Seattle, his homage to 90s music. The Pearl Jam guys are in it. Um Oh well then it makes it just then it makes it perfect. And Matt Dillon's in it, fronting Matt Dillon. Okay, yeah. So uh, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the the cast right now. Oh, Campbell Scott's in it. I like him. Campbell He's Scott, cool. Mr. Nineties. Also, how do you feel about the movie Braveheart? Because I hate it. Yeah, it's it's so it has moments, it has moments. Yeah, yeah. But here's the thing, I I I liked Braveheart. Yeah. I do. But then I saw the movie Kingdom of Heaven. Oh yeah, dude. And it honestly, like, I don't know where you fall on that, but it yeah. made me like Braveheart even more. Yeah. Like, like Kingdom of Heaven had such an incredible cast. Yeah. And I feel like they just they just utterly like it started out like okay all right yeah. and then it turned into some like docudrama interesting like yeah it was yeah. I, I, I don't know maybe maybe Dude, that's my, just my me. issue with braveheart was like it was like an well, hour act- it was an hour yeah. too long and i never bought mel gibson as an action hero you know what i mean yeah. like he was just yeah. a, a short squatty little guy who was charming in like 80s movies and then yeah. i'm supposed to believe him as the guy who's like running down the the hillside cutting in half you know like a hundred dudes you know okay so so who would you cast as braveheart then brian bosworth the boss <laughs> full circle baby we've come full circle on this program but it's, it's worth as boss. yeah the boss like, is braveheart to me he basically is like like i don't even want him to fake an accent let's just literally have brian bosworth i hope he's listening like there, there are very few famous oh, people sure yeah, yeah, yeah like there are very few famous people that i would actually want to hang out with but if but if i would clear the schedule to hang out with the boss like well, you do okay so you being a big Boz fan, you yeah. probably know this. He's gotten into some pretty corny Christian movies. You know this, right? Yeah, dude, I do. But okay, okay. All speaking right, of then. non-corny Boz stuff, did you watch yeah. the Thirty for Thirty on him? No, no, dude, I haven't. It, yeah. it will, it will bring you to tears in the best possible way. Okay. Because Josh, listen, man, it to me is like one of the best portrayals of like true repentance and heart change that I've ever mm. seen from pop culture. Like, I wow. think he's a, he's a believer. And yeah. the premise yeah. of the doc is just him. He's going through an old storage, like storage shed of all his old memorabilia. And he's yeah. going through it with his son, who's like 15 at the time, probably. Yeah. And he's just wrecked, dude. And he's crying and he's regretful. And it's it's amazing. I was so yeah. impressed. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, I will definitely have to look that up. Because, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I always like, I mean, when I think of Brian Bosworth, wasn't he the guy, I'm stretching my memory here, but wasn't he the guy that sold the t-shirts yeah national comments against athletes on him yeah yeah right oh yeah those t-shirts yeah right right like everyone hated the boss for a little bit there and he like sure he capitalized on it he was a great (laughs) heel he was a great like wrestling heel type Uh, of of guy uh for sure so good so good um all right ted we're gonna do a little experiment here all right with all of your knowledge of sports specifically 90 sports right you got Baseball, boxing, football. Yeah. I don't know if you're into golf at all, but golf no. was huge in the nineties, right? Yeah, yeah. Give me if you if you had to pick one sports athlete that you think encompasses the nineties the best. Okay. Who is it? Man, one, one sport. You think nineties athlete. You wow. think you think nineties sports and this is the first guy or girl that pops into your head? For me or just for the culture at large? No, well, uh, how about we do both? Yeah. I want I want to hear for you personally though, and then for the culture. Dude, this is a weird one, and this is a deep dive one for me. Okay. But like there was this guy that played linebacker at Ohio State in the nineties named Andy Katzenmoyer. Do you remember this dude? He had a huge huge neck roll, like black visor. Looked awesome. He was super strong. This is back when like football was still a downhill sport and collisions oh, were a part of it. Yeah. And uh, dude, he the big for the Patriots. Yeah, he? the big cat man, Andy Katzenmoyer. I remember like wanting to be him and just wanting, you know, his his body, his tattoos, his look, his neck roll. Like that was that was for me like the guy in the nineties. Didn't he go to jail for something? Ah, probably, dude. Um, I don't know. I'm looking at a mugshot here. Yeah, probably. 
Um, all right, all so, right Andy Cat- so that's I'm, look, I'm looking at a picture of him right now, and he's basically you without hair. Dude, right, man. Yeah, so that's I mean, the one. That's the one for me. Um, for the rest of the culture. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a guy, man, and and it's funny. I text with my cousin about this every time. Every time he does a game, um, okay. and we're both like, oh, you know, tip of the cap, man crush, Troy Aikman. Like oh, if if, if God mm. was gonna make a '90s quarterback, like everything mm-hmm. from the looks, you know, the wada dip in the lip, the, yeah. the, the chiseled yeah. like jawline, it's it's Troy Aikman, you know. Just, yeah. And even though he kind of looks pretty pretty road hard and put away wet now, like like yeah. I'm watching football with my son last night. I'm watching the Thursday night game, and Aikman comes on the screen, and my my kid Maxim, my youngest son, he leans over to me and goes, Dad. He goes, that guy looks like he hasn't had a lot of sleep recently. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> he probably hasn't, but I bet there's awesome <laughs> stories behind it, you know, because, he's, because he's Troy Aikman and he's, you know, just amazing. I bet there's some great stories. Um, okay, so let's see. We talk a lot about music, but what's the worst genre of music, Ted? Oh, worst genre of music. You know what, man? Oh, and boy, this story makes me look horrible. But um, I've started because I'm middle-aged now and because yeah. I, I love my wife and I, I want to su- support her and I want to have a happy marriage. Yes. Uh, we joined a gym and oh, no. I, I've worked out my whole life. Just being a football player, you just never kind yeah. of stop working out. But um, she was like, I want to start going to spin class at 5.30 in the morning. And I'm like, whoa, Judas, age pre spin <laughs> class and also like 5.30 in the morning. But because I Two love her... And because I, I, I want a happy, happy wife, happy life, I started going to spin class and I discovered a couple of things. Number one, I really like doing it with her. I like doing, okay. the, I like doing the spin class thing with her <laughs> because we have kids and we're, we're busy like everybody. And yeah, it's, yeah. it's almost the best time that I get to spend with her each week is just the drive right. to and from and actually, and actually doing the class. So there's that. But the music that they play at spin class is without qualification the worst genre of music because it's like it's kind of like diva um like radio pop but not the good kind like i like i like diva radio pop like i like taylor swift i like Katy perry a lot um but this is like the crappy version of that and it's just like really sassy and and bad and the whiny yeah whiny Whiny. there's one thing our spin instructor does where like she she'll like start and stop the song a whole bunch of times because she wants to like give the she wants to give like the intro to the activity and it, it makes me want to just jump off my bike and smash her phone into a thousand pieces. Ugh. And that's uncharitable by me. I own that. No, that's not great. Well, it's like those people that like invite you, like, in, like, like they're giving you, they're giving you a ride in their car or something like that. And there's like a whole bunch of songs they want to show you. Yeah. Right. And they just keep like, they play you like the first 30 seconds. This song. Just, I can't just handle let me it. Song. Exactly. I just need, please. Like, I don't even care. Just, just don't exactly. touch it. I can't all handle right? it. <laughs> uh, all right. All right. Well, spin class music. Worst. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Got it. All right, Ted, uh, what do you resent paying for most? Oh, what do I resent paying for? Dude, that's fascinating. Um, it, at some level, my college education. <laughs> which I, I can, I mean, I, I can, uh, yeah, I, I have sympathy I for it. A writer, I, I kind of realize there, there's this great line in a, a movie called Goodwill Hunting, which is another, by the way, quintessentially 90s movie that's incredible. But but basically, he's uh, he's he's tearing to pieces the ponytail douche in the bar scene. Remember yeah. this? And my boy's, uh, wicked. My boy's wicked smart. And he, yeah. and he, he does this whole speech and he's basically like, I could have taught myself what you learned with like three, three bucks in late fees at the library, you know? Yeah. And I kind of feel like for writers, it's the same thing. Like if you're really committed to the craft and reading and writing and practice, you can kind of teach it to yourself. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I hear you. I yeah. hear you. I hear you. Well, especially with YouTube now too. Yeah. Like YouTube, like really educational, which Dude, is crazy. Totally, totally. Um, all right, Ted, what fashion trend needs to be brought back? Fashion trend that needs to be brought back. Anything 90s, yeah. like sloppy flannels, work boots, Parachute pants. Yeah, parachute pants. Absolutely, man. Any so there, there's a thing that happens when you hit a certain like part of middle age, and I, I'm gonna infer given by like your youthful vim and vigor and just the way you look. I think I'm you're, not. Yeah, I'm not middle age yet. Yeah, no. you're younger than me. You're yep. uh, you're you're definitely younger than me. But like, yep. you'll hit a point where you just stop fashion wise. And for me, 
<laughs> that point was the 90s. I'm still that wearing 90s. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm wearing the same crap now that I wore in the 90s. In the sense I that, like, it. dude, it's flannels, it's t-shirts, it's yeah. uh, backward ball caps, long dirtbaggy hair. I just yep. stopped, man. And and if if the pendulum ever like swings back to that, such that that's cool again, I'm gonna be yeah. in great shape. Great I know. Shape. Well. Like I've been wearing this for years, like, yeah. and so I don't know. I don't know if I've stopped or if I've just like I don't know. It's just comfy. Yeah. Like I, yeah. You know, I just wear what's comfortable. When the '90s was like really comfortable music, and then yeah. we got all got all tight and got all. Well, dude, and the great stupid. thing about the '90s too is that the the fashion kind of ethic is like you give zero f's you know what i mean yeah. and like i really <laughs> like, love you know, that I'm gonna, wear, I'm gonna wear overalls with my t-shirt half untucked exactly and i don't even care exactly i, don't, I, don't care, right? I just yeah. love that man right. i'm ready for right. that to come back let's do oh i'm yes i'm ready i'm ready as well let's do it yep. okay all right ted coffee or tea coffee coffee yeah. all right what is one thing one thing about current christian culture that's annoying to you uh i think uh twitter yeah. <laughs> just, you're not even on it no <laughs> i'm not but like i hear everybody sends me the negative stuff anyway which i yeah, hate but um, yeah no it's terrible <laughs> all right Ted. so you're a pretty outgoing guy um but but give us one situation or place where you would feel most out of place in probably an emergent church in like 2006 <laughs> <laughs> like, like before or after your book came out both <laughs> but, but definitely after <laughs> They would want me dead, like, but they'd be too like woke and, and nice to like. They wouldn't threaten. be able to say anything. Yeah, they wouldn't be able to say anything. You know. They're gonna be like, man, I want to kill this guy, but yeah, he is he he's putting butts in seats. So exactly. Maybe I don't. He's know, good for business. Yeah. What can I do? <laughs> he's, the, he's the token hipster looking dude. Like oh, we yeah. want him. Yeah. For not sure. that demographic. We're not reaching them enough. For sure. Uh, all right. Uh, favorite food. Least favorite food. Uh, favorite food. I love almost all food, but but currently Indian food. I love Indian food. We got a great Indian restaurant here in town that I'm a regular at. It's like Norm and Cheers for me at that place. Like <laughs> you basically I, live there, I come in, yeah. they know me. It's so good. Hey, Ted. Um, yeah. Least... yeah, my pastor just introduced me to Indian food for the first time a couple oh. weeks ago. Dude, oh, are you loving it? So good. Oh, yeah. It really it's agrees so with me, good. man. Yeah. Long, man. Yeah. I love it so much. Least favorite yeah. food. I tell you, and this again, I sound like a horrible person. So, for, forgiveness, you know, in advance no, no, no. with all this. But like, there's a certain annoying thing that guys my age do, and all they talk about is their diets. They t- and Ronnie Martin is like this. He's like, oh, dude, I'm keto. I'm whole thirty. I'm doing, bro, man, buddy. I'm doing that. I'm doing the whole thirty. I can't eat yeah, this. I can't man, eat that. So, dude, it annoys the H out of me to like hang out with a dude my age or to go out to eat. And Josh, I'm just like, I'm a hedonist. I just do whatever, I do whatever oh, I want, man. And yeah, I, yeah. there's no governor on me when it comes to eating. But going out with these guys and having them be like, oh, I can't eat that, dude. Can we go to the, can we go to like the the, the, the grilled whatever place so that I can just get a plate of avocados or I don't know, dude, yeah. it's, it's too much. Well, here's the thing, okay? Yeah. Word, word, to the, word to the wise for listeners, especially if you're going out with either like another dude or groups of dudes, don't be the dude that gets the salad. <laughs> just, yeah. just don't. And just, Ron, just, Ronnie just, Martin is the very definition of dude who gets the salad. He's but it, we'll see. And, and 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 so look, look. I had Ronnie on here. I love Ronnie. No, Ronnie's my jam, right? But, but but here's the thing. So so I I would just I went out. I got dinner with a dude from church. And I got back, and one of the questions my wife asked me was, "How do you, as you're in the restaurant, uh, make it look like you guys aren't on a date?" Yeah, and I mean, and there's some ways you really can't avoid it. But one of my first answers was, you neither neither of us get the salad. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's don't right. get the salad and don't sit across from each other. Yeah, no, I know it, man. Right? I know it. Yeah. yeah, there 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 are some things like that. But yeah, I, th- I think it's just everybody my age being on a diet and being super eager to tell you about it and make you modify oh, your yeah. thing. Yeah, it sucks. yeah, yeah. Oh well. All right. Uh, if you could do one thing over at your wedding, what would it be? Uh, elope. <laughs> not have one <laughs> just, just just get it over with dude i would elope and i would i would not write my own vows so another earnest like 90s thing you to do your own vows. yeah dude and they Ted. sucked oh. they were hot garbage <laughs> <laughs> oh man i would i would definitely take that back i would take that back that's fair that's yeah. fair <laughs> well i've been to some weddings where they wrote their own vows they finished them and yeah. i'm like 
are you guys actually married? Exactly. Like, I'm, not, I'm not actually sure at this point. Uh, I'm still, exactly. I'm still confused. <laughs> yeah, dude, I would elope and I would not write my own vows, which is uh, part right. of eloping. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. All right. Uh, if you had to do karaoke, what would your karaoke song be? Ooh, this is a tough one, man, because I do a lot of karaoke and I enjoy really? it. Oh, I I freaking love me a karaoke party. What? Yeah. What's that? Well, I thank you for one of those. And here's a here's a problem that I have, man. When I was in okay. college, so my karaoke Jones kind of started in college, and yeah. there was a particular number by R. Kelly that I was I would always kill with this number because okay. being a big like huge neck white guy and singing R. Kelly was like incongruous right. enough that it was funny. So yeah. your your yes. karaoke thing has to be funny really for it to work. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I would always sing "Bump and Grind" by R. Kelly. You know, my mind's telling me no, but my my body's telling me yes. And yes. It would it would always kill, but now it's not cool to like R. Kelly anymore. No, uh, no, for it's obvious not, no. reasons. Yeah. So uh, I've had to expand my my karaoke. You've had to, you've had to branch out a little bit. I've had yeah. to expand my empire a little bit. So uh, right. I've had I've had luck with two other numbers. One okay. is uh, the ballad. The power ballad, Don't Want to Miss a Thing by Aerosmith. Um, oh, and I don't have Steven Tyler range. Yeah, don't want to fall asleep. Yeah, I can't hit the high stuff. But uh, So that's one that I like. Another one that I like, this is a classic, Man in the Mirror, Michael Jackson. Oh, all right. And people love it because it's a sing-along, man. Yeah, people can oh, yeah. sing along. Oh, yeah. If you were a pro wrestler, Ted, what would your entrance song be? Oh, dude. Well... <laughs> I got to tell you, man, and, and this is a stage of my life that my lady calls, quote, the worst career decision that you'll ever make. And <laughs> it's that I actually wrote a pro wrestling book. And as part of really? the, yeah, as part of the book, I like trained at a pro wrestling school in Michigan for a while with, uh, there were, yeah, there was a wrestler called Dan the Beast Severn. And uh, okay. he was a, a WWE guy. But before that, he was in the, the MMA world. And anyway, I trained at his wrestling school. And it was so much fun, man. It was a blast. And part of the culmination of that was that um, I would wrestle a match. And so I actually had entrance music for my match. And it was the song called The Warrior by Scandal featuring Patti Smith. And it's a banger. It's an 80s chick rock banger. And um, that was my walk-in song. And it, yeah, the, the, um, the chorus goes, shooting at the walls of heartache. Bang bang, I am the warrior. Isn't that great? <laughs> like, sung by, sung by, sung by a bunch of chicks. Sung by a bunch hair. of chicks with big hair. It was incredible, dude. Such a good song. <laughs> I'm gonna have to add this to the playlist. Add that's it, gonna, add it, dude. You're gonna love it. It's a feel good. You know, it's a feel good. Oh, that's good stuff, man. All right, well, Ted, we are almost out of time here, but before we do, I want to promo something here. I have oh, in my God. hands the newest book by Ted Cluck. A Hard Thing on a Beautiful Day and Other Essays. Tell people why they need to buy it. Yeah, so the book is an essay collection, and uh, it's essays that I've written over the last 10 or 15 years that have run in newspapers, um, stuff that's run online, and stuff that I've just done kind of for the gut check empire. Uh, So my my little publishing endeavor was Zach Bartles. So uh, it really spans those categories. And I've really, I've always enjoyed kind of the short personal essay. And yeah, I've always yeah. loved reading people who write in that genre, who do it well. Um, and and I've loved doing it, man. And I've always wanted to do an essay collection. So Zach reached out to me about a year ago. He was like, hey, all this stuff that you write, we should compile it. We should put it together. Um, so there's essays about life, essays about sports, essays about music, movies, pop culture. Yeah. And uh, if, if you've liked my writing in any other context, I think you'll like this because it's kind of the most distilled, concentrated version of, of quote-unquote my kind of writing. So uh, the cover is beautiful. Zachary Bartles designed the cover. That's my son, Maxim, on there, actually. I was going to ask you yeah. who, uh, who the runner was. That's Maxim, my youngest son, and he was running in the Tennessee State Cross Country Championships when that was taken. Good for him. Yeah. Well, all listeners, uh, I'm assuming they can get it on Amazon? Yeah, a little, a little online bookshop called yeah, Amazon. Yeah. We've got a really unique partnership worked out, so they get a cut, I get a cut. Yeah, (laughs) craft books craft books man craft Craft hipster books artisanal you know so head on over to Amazon pick up yourself a hard thing on a beautiful day and other essays by Ted Cluck Um, get it wherever you get your books and um, Ted we have uh, we have as you guys say on the uh, on the happy ramp, wandered to and fro. Absolutely. Or to and far, yeah. if we're going to go 
back to Trogue. Oh, era, that's right? a that's a blast from the past. Back <laughs> that's to the Trogue days. The but hey, everyone, you know what you can do. You can head on over to iTunes, give us a uh, five star rating if you do not mind. We only accept those. Uh, subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Music, YouTube, Spotify, and Stitcher. Wherever you find your podcast, we are there. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Everyday Monday Pod. Thank you all for joining us in the trenches today. Ted, thank you for being on with us, my friend. It was it was a blast having you. Man, this was a total blast, and I wish uh, I wish we lived closer, man. We could we could hang out, we could have some fun, but uh, this, this was a blast. I really appreciate you having me on. All right, well, thank you all again for joining us in the trenches. We will catch you on the next app of Every Day a Monday.